WrestleMania is the be-all, end-all of what we do for a living. We work our entire careers to get to WrestleMania, to steal the show at WrestleMania. After 35 years to be in a very high-profile match at WrestleMania is a huge honor. You could almost immortalize yourself at WrestleMania in an instant. You make the most of every opportunity throughout the year to get to WrestleMania. You never know when it will be your last. A lot can happen in a year. A lot can happen in a year. Anything can happen in a year. Twists. Champions fell. Cena's helpless! Turns. Opportunists capitalized. The unforeseen. Legends were dishonored. Your career is over. The unexpected. Superstars return. Business just picked up. The unimaginable came to life. A lot can happen in a year. Anything can happen in a year. A lot has changed in one year. But tonight... Tonight... This is the bigger picture. Tonight is the culmination of a year's journey. Of a life's ambition. Of a career. Tonight... This is my this show. This is my destiny. 16 and 0. I don't lay down for anyone. 15 and 1. I will make bad weather for Mayweather. I will break your jaw this time. I'm the best fighter in the world. Tonight... 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 Is WrestleMania. An event that cements legacy, affirms dominance, crowns champions, and creates immortals. WrestleMania. 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 Next up, we get Carlito and Maria in a promo video for the show we're watching. <laughs> what is this about? We bought the pay-per-view. We're already in. You don't need to give us a promo video for the fucking show. But this was actually <laughs> funny. Though. No. Yeah, this is amazing. This no, is it amazing. wasn't funny. No, no. This, this this, I, I was waiting for this. This was actually fun. I was in fits of... When he was beating the shit out of the bird at the end. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just before. I think WWE went PG later this year, didn't it? And you've yeah. got a, you've got an advert on WrestleMania where Carlito's being shot on by birds, and he kills them. He kills the birds. What a moment! What a moment! Non PG WWE's last stand here, Carlito. Maybe I'm being harsh. I, I said I did watch this five six days ago, and I I don't know. I can't remember if I liked it or not at the time, but I just was aghast because I was like, what is this? What you know? I was like, what 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 is this for? That's what I was thinking. What is this for? Is this a is this a storyline? You know, is this to advertise backlash, which is coming in a month? No, it's for this fucking show. We're already watching. It had a bit of a Judith Chalmers element to it as well because I think it said, "Wish you were here," didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. Yes. Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and today we head for the tropical climes of Florida, WrestleMania 24. Joining me today to run the rule over the event, we have the polar bear, Matt Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing? And also we have Stephen Coriander back for the first time in about three episodes, I think. Guess who's back? Tell a friend. Coriander's <laughs> back. Don't know what the next line is. Well, you, you did the next line first. 
that's the problem. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Yeah. I must say, I'm not, I'm not completely au fait with M&M's, uh, the, the wonderful works of M&M, so, sadly. So I should have just done the old blah, 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 to start off. That would have been a better, better opening. <laughs> I'm not convinced it would have been. <laughs> there we go. I still don't really fully understand it. What is it supposed to be? It's Wayne's World or Bill and Ted. Uh, yeah, it is something like that, but it's like a handshake that we used to do, Lewis and I, like the old blah, blah, blah. And then Chandler and uh, Joey did it in Friends. I was like, you've stolen that from us slash someone else because <laughs> we did it before that and they did it right at the end of Friends. I'm sure we were doing that in the late 90s. So, But yeah, I think you're right. It may well be Bill and Ted, I think. I think that's where it originated. Well, Bill and Ted do the, like, the pretend guitar, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And so, but they didn't do like it wasn't like a handshake when they did it. Maybe it is Wayne's World then. But then they also do the yeah. don't they? So yeah. Maybe it's just a mix of all the things. It's a mix. It's a mashup, as the kids now say. So yeah. <laughs> so we've got WrestleMania 24 today. I I'm I'm going to give you my straight off the bat. I'm going to give you my expectations because I was really looking forward to watching this and really looking forward to talking about it. It's the ma- it's the WrestleMania that got me back into wrestling i think we talked about this on previous shows wrestlemania 21 watched a bit wrestlemania 22 watched one match wrestlemania 23 didn't watch it at all so my interest is gradually fading over time and then wrestlemania 24 came along must have watched it with tom and old man i'm pretty certain or one of them or both you know i'm not, not entirely sure and got me right back into it Overall, the show quality I can remember being decent, not necessarily amazing, but decent in general. But uh, but uh, the thing that I was most looking forward to watching this was for was the look of it. I think, and I can remember thinking, you know, before I watched it this time, this is the best looking WrestleMania of all time, in my view. It just there's something about what they've done to this stadium that just just looks great. And I'm I'm already going into my review for the show, but it it, <laughs> it the reason I am doing it as part of the expectations is that it was the moment the the the, the the way this looked was the reason I wanted to go to WrestleMania. Like it was the thing that drew me in the end to go the following year. We went to WrestleMania 25 having never been. That's not to say I didn't want to go before, but there was just something about this WrestleMania and the way it looked, the night sky, the lighting, the production values, the overall quality of just the, the actual, the visual of it. I, that was when I wanted to go to WrestleMania and was determined to do so. So I was really looking forward to watching this because I don't think I'd seen it since the time. But certainly I can remember it being the kind of trigger moment for me, really desperately wanting to go to WrestleMania. So we kind of jumped straight into expectations. So I'll hand over to you now, Matt. What were your expectations? Mine were also really high for this one. And because once I'd watched it at the time, that this was one of my very favorite WrestleManias of all time. I love this show. And it's it's funny that you mentioned there, Ben, about, um, you know, like the, the look and everything of the show, because at the time, and I remember reading reviews and everything where people were there, apparently the building was an absolute dump. And apparently this was one hell of a job by WWE to make it look as good as it did, because apparently the people who were there live said the building was awful. So that they, they did do a you know a fantastic job because it, it did look great. And one thing that I did find really funny and, and I did completely forget is, God, the weather looked really bad. And I felt so bad for the people there because when it first came on, I was like, oh, my God, it must have either it looked like it was about to rain or it had that day. Well, interestingly enough, so on that point, you said the, the, the stadium being a dump. So it's not been the regular home for any one team uh, for a consistent period, the Citrus Bowl. So it's been like an XFL stadium in the last couple of years, and it had been various different kind of minor league teams stadiums over time and actually i think it it is the reason i really like it it's not a traditional or not traditional it's not a typical bowl stadium cut and paste 
jobby it's a proper like oh this has got some character to it and out coming out early so Stephen, we'll get to your expectations in a minute but coming out early is the is the 35 years of wrestlemania <laughs> coffee table book brought it out early this week because and we've got multiple entries this week because i've been slacking a bit recently and so much so that alex had to go out and buy it himself and insert his own <laughs> quote into last the last uh, episode we did so the very first opening paragraph about wrestlemania 24 is the original site for wrestlemania 24 was orlando's amway arena a venue that accommodated an estimated 18,000 people for a ring event vince mcmahon believed wrestlemania needed to be located in orlando florida but felt that it to be hosted in a larger venue the more than 74,000 seat citrus bowl over the next year wwe invested millions of dollars transforming the aging citrus bowl into a spectacular vision of imagination and innovation and I don't know how true the millions is of, uh, in that respect, but they did definitely hit the brief, in my view. Stephen, your expectations? Um, I feel like I'm going to bring this down now, really, for, for both of you. This is a really painful show for me to review, and it brought back a lot of difficult memories from that time. So after WrestleMania 23, available in the archives, uh, Lewis and I had come to, to the decision that enough was enough. So we'd been to every WrestleMania from 17 to 23. All of our spare funds had gone on this endeavour of going to North America every year. Uh, and we both run up not insignificant debts to do so. I don't mind saying it on the on the show. 2005, I borrowed £11,000 from Liverpool, Victoria to pay back my WrestleMania credit card debt. Whoa. Yeah. There you go. I'm putting that out there. Friggin' hell. That's yeah. madness. That's madness. That's madness. And that was a five-year loan. So that I paid that off in 2010. No, no, that's a lie, actually. So I, I moved out in 2009. And I had to extend it and borrow a bit more. So I don't think that was gone until about 2012. So legitimately, most of that was WrestleMania, a little bit for a, a deposit on like a rental place. Lewis, it was ridiculous for Lewis. Lewis was paying me back like £50 a week, which doesn't sound a lot, but it's actually quite a lot of money when you think about it, like every single week. And we weren't earning, we weren't earning, you know, very average money for people in their sort of mid-twenties at the time. However, six weeks out, I had a moment of pure terror. Ric Flair's last match, which, which we'll talk <laughs> about. I'm like, I can't, I can't miss this. I'm like, Lewis, I priced it on Expedia. You can pay me back four pounds a week for the rest of your life. Just please come with me to WrestleMania, please. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. But I've just got to check on something. I've, he was doing some management course at his place of work at the time. And it was a residential course where he got out at like two o'clock on the Sunday. So he's like, if I can't move that, I can't come. I'm like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'm like, he's going to be able to move. He's going to move. He's like, the next one, six months time. And I need this course to get promoted. And there's nothing we can do about it. So that's how we ended up in my, I was still living with my parents, in my parents' living room with either a tub of Ben and Jerry's or Hagen Dars each. Like we've been dumped by a significant other. And we're about to set, settle down and watch a romantic comedy together. And this was genuinely one of my biggest life regrets. Probably my biggest life regret to this point that I didn't wow. go to this show. So actually putting this back in, I just found some, I had some weird, bad memories. And we'll get, depending on who goes where with the talking point, I wasn't massively looking forward to watching this again because while I got over it, I went to WrestleMania 25 like you did, Ben, and then I had a big break again to 31, which I can't wait to watch again. So we'll get, we'll get there in, in due course. But I, I was over it then. I always wanted to go again, but I wasn't ready to give this up at this point because this was, you know, I, I don't want to go in a dark tunnel, but I, I talked about on my WrestleMania 19 podcast, like mental health issues, all this sort of stuff as a, as a young adult. I probably didn't really understand what it was then. But this was the thing that really kept me going. Like these trips where I used to text Lewis, probably to the point of distraction from the day we booked it to the day we went every single morning, I text him so-and-so number of days to go into a WrestleMania. <laughs> 
like every morning. And the number of times I must have woke up, he's probably got some nine out of ten next to him in bed, and his phone goes off, and it's me with my WrestleMania countdown. So yeah, that that's it basically. So yeah, long-winded way. I wasn't massively looking forward to watching this again. I'm afraid. I love it. The the in-person perspective of the time is very cool. I, as I said, I can't really remember the setting I was in when I watched it, but I can just remember the, the visual of it and just being mm. like, this, this looks fantastic. It just looks absolutely stunning, this one. So WrestleMania 24 talking points. I think, Stephen, seeing as you're obviously you've, you've, you've got some something specific on your mind, you want to get off your chest. To be honest, I, I've got about seven or eight things I could talk about this show anyway. So I'm going to start with you. What, what, why don't you give us your talking point? Well, I think that the, the primary reason, and this is it's so different now looking back on this match, but the primary reason that I was gutted about not going to this this one was Ric Flair. So I think that. You know, it's a different time now because the access that you've got to things is unbelievable. You can literally go and put on anything on the network, any match of, of anyone that was WCW, ECW or, or WWF, WWE. Back then, I can't remember when the Flair anthology came out. I, I guess maybe 2004. And I feel like around that time, Flair kind of had a bit of a career resurgence where he went from being this figure of fun, if you like, in evolution to being like almost a legitimate wrestler again. And I think he was a legitimate wrestler again. Like he, he had the Intercontinental title at one point, And like that was I, I remember that being a really good thing. He had a tag team run with someone I can't remember when he was tag team champions, I think, as well. And it was just he just felt like someone that you were on. on you know, there's a lot of, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed the shows the last couple of weeks. And, I, and you guys have made some really good points around how weird this product was around this time. Like there was lots of like offensive stuff, lots of stuff you had to really, really suffer through. But Flair was always like a, a real shining thing and something you were interested in. So going into this with that, you know, that anthology, all the classic matches in the Steamboat series the first time, he, him going into this incredible series where every match was a basically a retirement match, which I believe Steve Austin came up with, I, I think. And my talking point is this match and, and how looking back on it now, 15 years later, this feels totally different for me for many reasons, like the, you know, the whole stuff with Flair and, you know, the, the kind of changing view on his antics over time as well, I think. And antics is probably putting it very kindly. Plus the fact he's really prostituted his legacy after this with matches of win TNA, the horrific thing relatively recently with him in a tag match with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and uh, was it Andrade, I think? I can't remember who was the other person in the match. But yeah, I just, this is my talking point. And I, and I before you go through kind of your, the, the bits and pieces on, on the match itself, Ben, I felt very strongly, and I still probably have the belief now that this should have been the main event. I, th- I felt like this should have been this should have been last on this show. I think this was the biggest thing on the show. We'll talk about Edge and Undertaker later, but I wasn't feeling that at all. So yeah, this is my thought. Was my, my talking point is Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, and, and how different it is 15 years on, and how you felt about it at the time, I suppose as well. Well, as you say, it's a Ric Flair's career on the line match. That is the official gimmick name for this contest. And there have been a number of them in the previous months uh, after Vince McMahon had put that stipulation in place. Do either of you remember or know, because I don't, why he did that? Why Vince McMahon was, in, in the story, motivated to give him that kind of gimmick? Do you remember, Matt? I, I don't think they ever explained it. They, they just, you know, he, he was in a bad mood. He, he's a heel. He came out and just went, the next time you lose, your career's over. Well, it goes for 20 minutes and 23 seconds and is won by Shawn Michaels after he hits Sweet Chin Music and mouths some famous words to Flair um, and gets him gets the pin and retires Ric Flair. So, Stephen, what did you think of the match itself? I mean, I, I thought that flair at 59 was you know he was a cardio machine here like he was incredible there was there was no letting up in this but i thought the thing that really hurt this was michael's 
moonsault onto the table. And I think he confirmed on Twitter that he did break his ribs on that or a rib. And I thought the match started so well, but there was a real, it reminded me a little bit of Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14 in that Michaels hit the turnbuckle during that match and couldn't go quite at the same level. And I thought that that was really contributing to, to the kind of, it's not being quite as good. They did get the people back when Michaels hesitated on a super kick and Flair got the figure four on. And I, I did think that you know the, the middle seven or eight minutes were good. Um, and this was, on the night was a supercharged, like really emotional moment for the ages. But I just now think 15 years on, it just doesn't it doesn't do much for me. I didn't get into it in any significant level, and I think that's all of the you know all the post match stuff that has happened. And, and, and you know, the, and I guess. You know, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but primarily for me, that's probably the matches. I, I you know, I can separate the, the art from the artist a little bit more with Flair, and, I, and I, perhaps I'm wrong for that. But yeah, I just, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling this at a massive level. And on the night, I would have been, I was 100% in tears when this all, when this all happened. And also, I'm raw watching it the next night as well because I was, in, I was into it, but I'm not now. Matt, what about you? There is so much to unpack in pretty much all that you've just said there. One of the things I want to touch on that, that, that you mentioned there, Stephen, that I thought was a really good point, actually, and in all fairness, I didn't consider it until pretty much just now, It is when you said that this should have been the main event. I'll, I'll probably talk a little bit about crowd reactions throughout the show, um, you know, throughout the rest of the pod, um, but I, I didn't feel the crowd were particularly one of the better crowds that we've seen in the last couple of shows and disappointed me quite a lot. And it was, for me, it felt noticeable compared to the last couple of WrestleManias we've looked at. But they definitely were, you know, alive for the Flair-Michaels match. So you might be right. Perhaps that might be why. That might have been why a lot of people travelled and went there. So that that is a good point. In terms of the storyline itself, yeah, and, and, you know, again, but I'm glad you, you know, you, meant, you know, mentioned about it as well. Um, I, I'm just going to put it out there. The, the storyline sucked. It, it, it could have been something really special and really well done and the idea and you know you're right i think it was steve austin who came up with the initial idea and had it been done better it, it could have been great but he had like a handful of matches not particularly great leading up to this i think he wrestled mvp at the rumble which wasn't that great i think he wrestled randy orton at one point in a career threatening match that wasn't that great this was one of the only ones that actually meant a damn and that's actually you know quite a shame because again he could have gone on this absolute tour de force, potentially, of really great matches and culminating in this really last great one. And, and it didn't quite work that way. So storyline-wise, that is a shame. Now, all that aside, match quality on the night, this was my match of the night. Not only was it my match of the night, but I'm going to come at it from a little bit of a different angle as well. My MVP of the night is Shawn Michaels. And... Look, I was sort of looking at the schedule that we've got coming up, you know, for, for the next couple of WrestleManias. And, and I didn't realize and I actually felt really gutted in that this is the last show of seeing Shawn Michaels wrestle for me. And that made me incredibly sad. And it, it, it just it literally just hit me. I thought, bloody hell. I was like, not only is this going really quick, but I was like, that's Shawn Michaels has been friggin amazing throughout all, all the WrestleManias I've seen him at right up until this one, where for me, he... He definitely was the guy in charge leading this match. He did a phenomenal job. You know, where you mentioned the moonsault on the table. For me, that made this. You take that spot out of this match, and this match isn't as good because it looked, I mean, fair play to him. If it did hurt, all right, okay, whoops. But that looked <laughs> devastating. My, it was, my wasn't God. it? It was devastating. Yeah. <laughs> it clearly was, so fair play. You know, it's a shame that obviously it felt it, but, you know, it 
looked devastating. So Humanitarian of the year, Matthew Roberts. Broke his wrist. Whoops. <laughs> I also I also wanted to sort of comfort Matt because even though he's not on the WrestleMania 25 recording, that doesn't stop him from actually watching the, the WrestleMania 25 match. So it doesn't need to be his last match to watch of his. No, no, that's, that's true. It's just like I said, Daniel, to... To, to, to be to be on this journey and now and now it just hit me I was like oh crap this is you know pretty much one of the last ones I'll see of him so that that, that sad but yeah like I said that that moon's on the table my god was awesome and Michael's obviously was was they were really trying to get the best out of Flair I mean the old yellow stuff I thought was that that actually I thought was really good you know that that was I mean, you know, obviously he was going to come across as a little bit heelish, but, you know, I, I thought that was a, a good little line. There was loads of good stuff they did back and forth, like, you know, Flair trying to work over the leg at one point. Um, You know, the chop blocks were great. The standing vertical suplex, you know, he, he was able to do fair play at that age. That's pretty damn impressive. That was really great. Like they said, the, the super kicks in this by Michaels were awesome. You know, the, the the figure four game was great. There was loads of good, there was really loads of good stuff. And God bless them. They did obviously try this sort of bridge pin spot at one point, which didn't quite work. But, you know, that aside. And, and then, of course, you, you, you come down to the finish. I mean... Let's face it. This this is easily. I mean, I I personally think it's no debate that this is one of the best finishes that that you'll ever see. You know, the, the I'm sorry, I love you was just genius. Dare I say it, it was beautiful. Flair with tears down his eyes. You know, fists up like he's ready to fight. You know, come on, give give me that. You know, defining career moment that I really want. Boom, kick in the face. He's down. You know, he was in tears as soon as the pin happened. You know, Michaels, you know, grabbed him, obviously started talking to him afterwards. Classy as all hell. I know you don't like me probably putting praise on him, Stephen, but I'm going to do it. Michaels. I always liked Michaels, funny enough. I really did. I just don't know how I've got into this wormhole over the last however long it's been. (laughs) Well, again, for me, personification of class in this. He got up to the ring pretty damn quickly. Let Flair have his spotlight, rightfully so. And again, like I said, the, the crowd were super into it they were, they were showing people in the crowd crying his family were there crying still bizarre seeing charlotte on camera looking back now but she was crying everyone was crying it, it was phenomenal like i said for me this was as great a send-off and it, it is a shame especially when you look back now and you know hopefully continue to wrestle afterwards that is a tremendous shame Although at the same time, I would like to say that he did do um, a celebrity roast, which was hilarious. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but other than that, th- this was as perfect a send off as you're going to get. The next night on Raw, that was great as well. This was so, so good. Loved it. Uh, I gonna shock you now and say that i pretty much agree with everything matt said Woo! yeah no, i don't think i don't think we've ever done that you gave sean michaels your mvp the night did you give him it last time as well i think you did for wrestlemania 23 uh against cena I yes i believe i did yeah and i think that's probably not the first time you've given sean michaels your mvp either i imagine I imagine there's one or two other times you've given it what, during what, what this run <laughs> i've never given sean michaels mvp and i am giving him it for this show i think he and i think what you said at the end is the thing that i kind of really dwell upon is that he gave flair the perfect send-off i don't think anybody even possibly himself 
or The Undertaker has had a send off so perfectly executed as this one. I just think it is absolutely phenomenal. And one of those things where, again, I kind of I don't know what the backstage dynamic was in terms of deciding for Flair to retire, because clearly he doesn't want to retire. He never wants to retire. He's still bloody wrestling now. So I can't imagine him going, Vince, you know what I'll do? I'm happy. I want to retire. Give me something to do at WrestleMania. I can only imagine the company have gone to him and said, look, Flair. We're not going to use you in the ring anymore. You're 59 years old, whatever the hell, however old he was at the time. We can't use you. So we want to do a big retirement match for you at WrestleMania. And that was absolutely the right decision. And this was absolutely the best way. I don't think they could have done it any better. I, I thought the match was great. Obviously, the, the moonsault, you feel it when it happens. But I didn't especially feel like it slowed them down or, or stopped them doing anything. I thought they, they still were, were great. I'm going to refer once more to the 35 Years of WrestleMania coffee table book here because just to, to absolutely confirm what you both said earlier, which is in November 2007, Mr. McMahon told Ric Flair that his career would be over upon his next loss. Knowing he couldn't remain undefeated forever, Flair decided to challenge Shawn Michaels for a match at WrestleMania. Flair reflects being in the ring with Shawn was great. He just said to me, and no one said this to me in my life, just shut up and listen to me tonight and don't say a word they said okay we walked out the door and he said let's do it it was very emotional i cry when i think about it and then Shawn michaels confirms that he told flair that he wasn't allowed to say a thing during the match and michaels would lead the whole thing and i think that's probably for the best because i'm not sure flair at this point in his career even you know forgetting the experience forgetting the mind that he might have for the business could have fashioned a match like this through leading it himself and i think michaels was at the peak of his powers in terms of his own ability to get the most out of a match and get you know emotionally drive a match so i think it was absolutely the right the right thing to do and it was just perfect to say in front of this massive crowd in front of this perfect venue this this absolutely beautiful visual of wrestlemania 24 and then to have that match a match that flair couldn't dream of having as far as i'm concerned i don't i didn't see this run Stephen, you were talking about the fact that he was kind of a serious wrestler again but i certainly did see his match with carlito and mvp i think it was in the build-up um, on the way to WrestleMania, and they were that wasn't the work of a guy who couldn't have this match. Okay, yeah. Flair could not have dreamed of having a match this good at this point in his career. You know, I remember reading things about Flair, people saying his last great match was the Royal Rumble in 1992. So, you know, you're talking 16 years before this. So, for him to have this match is absolutely unbelievable. Shawn Michaels MVP for me, not my match of the night, but a, a great match. Really interesting thought about his wherever this should be main event. I really like the idea of it. I think it's a level again of creativity that WWE just aren't comfortable with. Oh, here we go. We're going to honor this guy as the main event of WrestleMania. And part of me thinks that's such a silly thing because, and I, and I kind of hit upon it in the in our WrestleMania 23 review, in that just because something isn't the last match doesn't mean you can't still consider it the main event. So even if you, as a company, didn't think that Michael's Flair was the main event, that doesn't mean that the show shouldn't end on this thing. You know, that it shouldn't necessarily be the last thing that people see. You could, even if there was a much bigger match in terms of drawing for this show again i still feel like there's nothing wrong with mixing up that match order so long as there's you're going to end on a note that people will be invested in and you know, be really into so I, I like the idea of it being made of it it's a shame that it's not from thinking about it now but yeah really really good really good match i just thought it was 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 excellent and as i said i just don't think flair could have possibly ever imagined hoped dreamed that this would be his last match which makes it all the more a shame that he feels he's felt the need to come out of retirement and do absolute nonsense in front of like the impact zone and you know whatever like that's that's just such a cheapening way and and you're kind of like come on like that should be your abiding memory 
it's just a shame he can't walk away just cannot yep. walk away right matt i'll uh, let you give a short talking point then oh well following that one now my mind's not gonna be anywhere near as interesting as that one i don't think but uh heck another another angle to look at the show the theme of this show at least certainly during the wwe championship match theme anyway was a lot can happen in a year and i kept thinking that quite a bit during batista versus umaga that was the forefront theme that immediately sprang to mind because you had batista versus umaga in a match and i quote for brand supremacy (laughs) and let's face it it was a pile of shit. <laughs> I, I will let you do the result a sec, Ben, if you want. Yeah, it's a seven-minute match. It is, as you said, a match for brand supremacy, a battle for brand supremacy, actually, is the uh, appropriately named title. And uh, Batista wins, I think, after in a Batista bomb. I haven't got my notes to hand, but I believe that's how it ends. Y- yep, it was. God bless him after he appeared to struggle with the Batista bomb in this case as well. It looked quite quite dangerous, not, not one of his better ones, so... No, great. You look at both of these guys, you know, c- compared to where they were a year earlier. And all right, okay, you can't be in the main event all the time. You know, you, you, you can't have the top foot all the time. I get that. But, you know, Batista last year, Undertaker, one of the matches of the night. Umaga last year, certainly, the you know, the, one of the most talked about, if not the most talked about match of the night. So for them both to go from that to something like this, where it, it was, to be honest, it, it was quite clear that, you know, that this was as filler a match as it possibly could have been. I'd honestly, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, I'd argue more effort went into the women's Playboy Bunny Mania match later on in the night than went into this. This was just a house show. Stick them out there. I'm winning three, four minutes with a Batista bomb, whatever. Send send the people home. That's how this felt. So, like... The effort just was felt lacking on both their parts. The brand supremacy bit, I'm pretty sure the SmackDown versus Raw series of games was still going at this point. So hell, maybe again, they're trying to sell some more games. But nobody, nobody cared about SmackDown versus Raw. Nobody probably does now. They haven't for years, let's be real. But th- this was such a waste of both of those talents. And it's just a massive shame. And it, and it was a big letdown of the show for me. I want to pick you up. I want to kind of stick up for Umaga here because I don't think it was his fault at all. I think this was Batista all the way. And I think if you look at them, go back and watch the match again, you'll find that Batista does the Batista bomb, not particularly expertly. That is all he does in the match. The rest of the match, he's on, he's being beaten up and he, he can't be bothered. He just cannot be bothered. He doesn't want to be there. This is below him, beneath him. He doesn't want to do it. And there's only so much you can do if you're a MAGA with a with a, an opponent who's basically dead weight and just doesn't want to just doesn't want to work, just doesn't really want to show up. Is is there pretty much just because he's going to get paid because he's on the WrestleMania show? Not a good match. Very very poor. In fairness to them, in fairness to Batista, no one's ever going to convince me that brand versus brand means anything. It's never going to mean anything to me, but I guess sometimes you've got to make the best of a bad situation, and Batista certainly did not. If anything, he made it worse, <laughs> in my opinion. Stephen, what did you think? I was thinking just how cool Big Dave looked walking down the, to the ring when he shouted, that's what it's all about, WrestleMania, baby! Like some awful, terrible, wretched uncle who's want to avoid at all costs at a wedding. Uh, and going into this, talking about you guys talking about uh, Dave's work, I think he had an iffy period around this time that may have been 
you know, he was doing a few botches and stuff, and he definitely nearly lost um, Omar on that um, powerbomb at the end. Uh, though he did take a really fantastic kind of flop back bump off the apron, which was amazing for a guy of his size. And I thought the crowd just didn't have any interest in this, and those that did were cheering Umaga. So, yeah, Dave, Dave was overdue a turn, which I think was, I don't know when it was coming, but it was coming sometime after this, wasn't it? Because he was certainly turned by the following year's WrestleMania. Uh, no, he wasn't, no, actually. Was the while, the while, no, 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 he wasn't. He came back as a babyface after WrestleMania 25, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, it took him a while to go. Yeah. yeah. He was a heel in time for 26 because he first yeah, seen that. Yeah, that's it. I'm a year out, out there. But you're right as well, because actually, you know, not only is he due a heel turn because people are obviously getting on his back a little bit and he's perhaps not as creatively enthused by what he's doing at this point. But also, I'm very much of the opinion that WrestleMania is the two biggest stars against one another in the main event. And as far as I can tell, and certainly as far as I could tell, I had Raw versus SmackDown 2006 or 2007, one of the two, I can't remember which one. And the, the cover was Cena and Batista. That's the main event of WrestleMania. Surely Cena versus Batista. They're the two biggest stars. That's got to be the, the, the main event. Now, they had to end up having the match at WrestleMania, but it wasn't even the main event when they finally got there. It wasn't even their first match either. <laughs> it should have been the main event of a WrestleMania, as far as I'm concerned, and probably this or the next one, potentially. I just don't think he cared, and I don't think he had any reason to care, and the fans didn't have any reason to care because again it's brand versus brand who cares i'd love to i'd love to know the fan that cares about this stuff i'd love to un, to speak to them and go why do you care what difference does it make to you who wins out of raw and smackdown what possibly could you care about that for maybe they don't exist maybe i'll never have that conversation but i would yeah. love to have that we conversation should, we should put something out on twitter for that and get that person on <laughs> i think is, so is, is there somebody out there who's got like stats or something or like you know i, I don't know raw wrestlers win like 75 percent of the time in these scenarios i there's got to be somebody with these types of stats i just thought so anyway i'll uh, i'll give you my talking point then my talking point god this is multiple there's multiple talking points within one match that i want to go over and it is the triple threat match for the wwe title uh, that is of of course, Randy Orton defending against John Cena and Triple H, a 14-minute match, which ends when Triple H hits a pedigree on John Cena. Then Randy Orton punts Triple H in the head and pins Cena to retain the belt. Now, there's so much. Where do I start with this? First of all, Randy Orton. Let me talk about Randy Orton because, Matt, we spoke about this, I think, last time, WrestleMania 23. You, you love the RKO. And I think that I've, I've talked about Triple H in the past, about how he's had a good reputation as a consequence of one excellent year in the ring and then the rest being OK. Okay. Randy Orton's career, he's got by on good finishes to his matches. And that's it. So, like, I remember WrestleMania 31, everyone raving about Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins. I was like, the only thing that was good about that match was the RKO at the end. That's it. The rest was a bit, meh, it was all right. But it wasn't, it wasn't sensational. That move was sensational, but the match wasn't. In my memory, I mean, that may, it may change when we watch WrestleMania 31 again. The numbers of times he's hit an amazing RKO, whether it be on someone who's jumped off the top rope and he's you know, got them in the thing or reversed a move and he's got them think whatever it is people only remember that and in this occasion it's not the rko that does it but it's the punt to the head a great finish where he punts triple h in the head pin cena loved the finish i thought this was fine perfectly fine adequate but not a great match at all but what i will say about orton at the same time is for me this year between 24 and 25 is his best year in my opinion in wwe in terms of the character and the work he was doing as a heel i don't think he ever had the same level of heat and i don't believe he ever had the same 
sense of purpose as he did during this this year between 24 and 25 it's a shame that his match with triple h at 25 and i'm talking about other wrestlemanias that we're going to be doing in future weeks now a little bit but it's a shame that that match is just dreadful because the feud and the, the stuff that he did as part of that feud was excellent i think he was just on a he was on a different world and this is where he started being really slow really methodical in a way that he's been doing since but he's doing he's been doing it as a baby face and a heel but when he was doing it as a heel at this point it meant that people didn't get behind him whereas i think they or they did eventually but they didn't get behind him quite as quickly as they might have done because of the work he was doing on, in terms of his character I think if he'd have been working his slightly faster style that he had before I think they'd have got on board with him much quicker and I do think this is another thing where for me ring style massively plays into whether you can sustain heel heat at this point especially now with wrestling fans being so kind of looking at the minutiae of matches and how good wrestlers are and judging their in-ring ability and their athletic ability and their work rate if you're a great wrestler and you're a heel it's extremely difficult to keep the cheers off and i think that's why more wrestlers need to adapt their style when they become a heel because they they need to maintain that that heat and they just can't do it because fans start cheering for them orton was great during that period during this period for doing this so that's orton wanted to talk about orton a lot because i really felt like this was his sort of peak year for me then there's the odd result of this match so the end was great but here maybe it's not an odd result maybe it's just odd booking here you've got cena and triple h on a redemption return story from injury both of them and they're both this is tailor made for one of them to beat the the heel champion but because there's a triple threat match it's almost like somebody balked backstage at making a choice between cena and triple h and so when well as a compromise we'll just keep orton as champion <laughs> that's what it feels like it just feels like oh god you know we can't have cena lose because he's just come back from injury won the royal rumble and all that sensational surprise return at the rumble triple h can't have him lose he's just come back from an injury you know where we just kept him out for ages and ages come back at SummerSlam. He's He's got to have that redemption story. He's got to get it. So it's almost like they go, well, all right, well, we won't give either of them then. But they put them. I just don't know why they put them both in the triple threat match. It's a strange dynamic. I also don't like. We've talked about this many times. The multi-way match. But if you're going to do a multi-way match, the absolute worst worst way of doing it, in my view, is two baby faces and one heel. I just don't. The psychological dynamic behind that is all off. The the ideal way is you have a heel a baby face and a tweener but if you can't do that you have two heels and a baby face you don't have two baby faces in a heel it just the whole thing just doesn't it just makes a mockery of the the psychology going in also 14 minutes triple h match that went 14 minutes that's unbelievable what's happened there somebody has clearly watched his previous matches and gone you need to you need to have a short match mate because you know, your long matches are really boring they're really really boring now you could do them once upon a time but now they're just really really dull so overall for me this was just a strange feel this whole match just felt odd weird stuff going on really good end decent match overall but nothing massively to shout home about and then this weird booking and strange result which meant Orton maintained the, retained the title against two guys that were both on this kind of supposed redemption story I feel personally like they should have just Orton or John Cena in a singles match against one another and Cena should have probably got back on top by winning the title but either way pick one rather than do this because it just felt really weird Matt what did you think I'm glad you mentioned that you know you, you felt this was quite weird because I, I gotta be honest I, I do agree that there was something about this that that I couldn't quite put my finger on I just it, it did feel really odd like th- th- this was a good match uh, and I did enjoy it but it, it didn't quite reach the level that I felt that it was capable of 
you know, th- these were three particularly popular guys who I, I really do felt were capable of a lot more. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier on about, about the crowd and that as well. And, and I got to be honest, I actually think that they felt similar in the sense of like, they didn't quite know what to make of this because I felt they were quite quiet for the majority of this. So and when you compare it to, you know, for example, Cena's return at the Rumble, which is one of the all time, you know, great you know wrestling crowd reactions to a lot of people it's crazy to see how it had changed so i i can't i still can't quite put my finger on what why it wasn't as important as as it was and what's crazy looking back at it now is at the time if you'd if you'd asked me then i was adamant that this should have been the main event and i was pissed off to high hell that it wasn't the main event i i normally tend to think that whoever wins the rumble that typically should go on last and i really felt strongly that 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 this one should have i think it would have died a death if if this was in the main event to be honest so i'm very glad that they didn't and another thing that was i found really interesting again especially consider looking back over the last couple of years you know john cena how badly he needed the the win versus Triple H of Mania 22. The way he did with the submission was excellent. You know, again, Shawn Michaels the last year. I mean, I think those two wins, looking at him on this show, that this was an example of those two wins made him a made man. That, that I just found really fascinating. Like, I, you know, looking at how, and he felt like a bigger deal compared to the last two that he came in. It felt like th- this is the company, you know, guy. This is the guy. So that, that was really interesting, like I said, compared to, you know, the last few. But like I said, the, the, the match was good, had some good, you know, some good stuff in it. You know, Orton's trademark, you know, sort of draping double DDT on the, uh, added to the two of the guys was, was amazing. Yeah, like I said, it, it, it was good but never quite left that you know and, and went to that next level so it, it was uh it was it was interesting i had to have a nap between the match before this and this <laughs> uh WWE championship match and i also had a nando's takeaway for this uh so you think oh, that nice. that would you know raise the overall quality of my time I, I put this in my notes now so i'll mention it now that's a little bit out of order when i was watching this show i thought to myself this show is really wrestling light uh, and my this was the day after i watched forbidden door and i was reliably informed by my good pal Mark that Forbidden Door was a four hour show that contained three hours and 20 minutes of wrestling and this one contained 114 minutes and 58 seconds so less than two hours in a near four hour show so like it's just where's the wrestling on this show so just to say on that so I'm not saying either of them are ideal but I would rather be closer to the Wrestlemania 24 amount of wrestling than the Forbidden (laughs) Door amount of wrestling it's just too much mate that's just too Uh, much Forbidden Door did I, I do agree generally speaking but Forbidden Door didn't feel like too much for me i don't know if matt i don't want to get a forbidden door review but i know i just i'm just gonna say really quickly but this will tell you all you need to know right wrestlemania 24 i watched in one sitting forbidden door took me seven days to watch <laughs> that's Here's your answer lack of commitment matt how did randy orton still have the hey nothing you can say music surely oh. surely he'd moved on by this point did he not no, I remembered very clearly that it was WrestleMania 25 when he first had it at WrestleMania ah. because in the weeks, because obviously we were going, so I was paying a lot of attention to what was going on in the build-up to WrestleMania 25. And I remember when they changed it, we're like, what's this? We want the other one. We want the other music. And actually, in the end, I think we all preferred the, the new the new music. But but whatever, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is I remember specifically that that, that was the, the year it changed. Such a dire tune. Um, I, I, band Mercy Drive. 
Oh, God, Mercy Drive. Mercy Kill would be more like it. I had a spray tan uh, for Marbella 2023 booked the day after I watched this show. And at the time of writing these notes, I could only hope it was half as good as Triple H was rocking or Triple H's tan that he was rocking during this championship match. It wasn't, editor's note. Um, I just didn't care about this. 2008, I didn't care. 2023, I cared even less. Just a triple threat match. It was okay, but wouldn't have looked out of place the main event of Raw on Raw. Not WWE Championship worth, especially not WrestleMania. And, I, and I, I've said it on podcasts before. Booking a triple threat match in any pay-per-view main event, I would consider somewhat booking malpractice. But doing it in a WrestleMania main event, absolutely so. And Vince McMahon should have been struck off there and then from whatever the, the regulator for wrestling booking before he could terrorise the world any further. It's, it's you in it, Stephen. You're the uh, you're the, the wrestling booking uh, <laughs> regulator. Yeah, I would really like it to be. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm, you know, I'm with you. I, I don't like multi-way matches. I should clarify. I don't like them in pay-per-views. I don't like them when you're trying to sell something because mm. for me, it's not something to sell. But I do think there's a way to do it. It just this wasn't it for me. Two baby faces in the hill. There was something else I wanted to say as well. I really like Cena's entrance. I really enjoyed the uh, the the brass band type thing that was going on i thought that was really cool triple h looking so much better than he's done in the last three four years just slightly slimmed down not carrying loads of excess weight he's got rid of the stupid he's got he's still got facial hair but he's got rid of the stupid facial hair he's not looking stupid christ-like mustache yeah yeah all the mutton chop stuff and weird weird stuff that he was doing for a while and also no white no white pants no white boots get rid of all that shite no purple boots just get back to the black or gray silver kind of stuff that's fine yeah looking so much better here i wonder whether or not this was legitimately a reaction to everything that happened the last two year two three years with ben juan guerrero and him thinking i can't keep doing this like it's not it's not good for my body it's not and also WWE themselves were apparently testing much more vigorously although how how much triple h got tested i'm sure will be questioned but i i wonder if that's part of it because he just looked so much better slimmed down and still very very muscular but you know just not bloated like he had done in, in previous years i wonder whether he was cycling off for him and stephanie to have more kids because he's got three daughters isn't he and i think you have to be yeah. off that stuff when you're trying for baby so i think hulk hogan wasn't which one was the oldest brooke wasn't that in 1990 when he came back i think he she this is a bit weird isn't it talk about conception of brooke hogan but um i'm pretty <laughs> sure she was conceived when hogan was off in 1990 and look that up immediately and he, he, when he came back at SummerSlam he was off he was off the roids or Titan Sports Protein Shakes if we're calling their, their correct <laughs> name but yeah I suspect that might have been the reason very possibly Rick Hogan <laughs> well, she's, we, in my, we'll, she's in my favourites yeah. on speed dial or no 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 I know born 88 so yeah I'm completely wrong about that it would have had to have been the end he of 87 he was on a break though hey, yeah. yeah he was he was. He just lost he, uh, they'd done the WrestleMania 4 thing but yeah that must have been she must have been conceived late 87 so I'm, I'm wrong about that maybe it was Nick Nick Hogan when did He's Hulk Hogan spaff his load uh, Nick was born in, in July 1990 as well, so that doesn't work either. So my, my all my theories about that are completely wrong. You might be right about Triple H, though. That doesn't mean yeah, you're, maybe you're right about Triple H. doesn't mean you're not right about Triple H. No, no, exactly. That's all of our talking points. Let's go back to the start of the show, shall we? Because WrestleMania 24 starts with a lovely flyover from some planes. Not sure what type of planes these are. I'm not really a, a plane expert. Anybody else? No. No, good, good. Jets. Jets. Whatever. Whatever they were, I don't know. <laughs> Um, Lillian Garcia then introduces John Legend for America the Beautiful, accomplished, stripped back, consistent, good version. I have called this. 
I wrote was fine, nothing special. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. I could see that. I just thought this was assured. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah. An assured performance. This was a guy who, who knows what he's doing, he's professional, mm. got it done. And as I said, just piano. I quite like that. You know, we've had quite a lot of choirs as of late in the previous WrestleMania, so I quite like that. And yeah, and then you see, and, and, you, and that's, this is obviously the first time you see this stadium. And I want to just talk about it a bit more because I do think it's a phenomenal looking thing. Like it's got no roof at all. That's what I love about it. There's absolutely no roof. And the sides just go up and that's it. They're just walls. I just love it. I just think it looks amazing. Like it just look it just looks like a it almost could be like a like a Roman Colosseum. It just looks like mad. And I love that it's not been the permanent home of any major team for any length of time. I just think that's just really interesting. I just think that's really cool. There's this stadium just sat there for a number of years, not doing anything. No one owns it. Well, people, someone obviously owns it, but no no team kind of is based there. Probably not getting regular events like Wembley, for example, or the Millennium Stadium. It's just, just there, just doing nothing. And then they just dress it up like this. I hadn't realised that it wasn't originally going to be the venue for this show. Oh, I think that might be bollocks. You reckon? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it said Citrus Bowl on the advert for WrestleMania 23. Did you remember that when you watched it recently? I can't. I remember seeing it, and they did have the, the video or the, the announcement or whatever you want to call it. But I think it just said Orlando, Florida. Okay. I don't think it had where it was in Orlando, Florida, Florida on it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's possible, but it would be a real backward step after doing... Because I think after the three arena shows where Vince wanted to do the big cities, he decided no more. He wanted stadiums after that. So I, that might be a bit of uh, creative license, I think. It might be. But I do love that they've gone back to stadiums. I, I think that had they gone back to Madison Square Garden still for the the, you know, the 10th, 20th, 30th, etc., that's fine. But for me, all the the, the the arenas just weren't as they just weren't the same. It didn't feel as good. It just felt less. And that's weird for somebody who first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 10 in, in, an, in, an, are, in an arena. So although Madison Square Garden, as we just said, but, you know, for me, it just it just didn't feel as good. This felt like WrestleMania instantly. Yeah, I think the thing with uh, the arenas in terms of going and, and again, everything's different now because WrestleMania, believe it or not, in spite of my lovely Liverpool Victoria loan, it was it was somewhat affordable. It's not like it is today. You know, you know, a, what would it have been? Bronze package to sit lower tier, couple of nights hotel. You know, you're not talking about silly money. 600 quid, something like that, maybe for that. And you're talking about 600 quid for a, for one ticket for one night now, let alone anything else. So the arena shows were a really good experience as a, as a attendee. But you definitely miss that thing where you walked in and you know, you both know, having been to WrestleMania, when you walk in and you see the thing, the stadium inside and all the decorations for the first time, it's magical. Like I still would get that even if I walked in to philadelphia i'd get chills up my spine next year because it's it's that you know that thing that you can't even really quantify it's just the magic of wrestlemania and there is genuine magic at these events well it's funny you should say that because i remember walking into wrestlemania 25 and though it was amazing it was like oh we're here we're at wrestlemania i've never been here before great tinge of disappointment because it doesn't look as good as wrestlemania 24 (laughs) and that's what i said that's what i'm saying that wrestlemania 24 just looks so phenomenal to me that i was like i want to experience this because it looks great we then get the intro video where matt as you said a lot can happen in a year is kind of the theme here not the best for me this one wasn't too taken by it to be honest and we launch into match one of the night which is jbl versus finley in a belfast brawl match we get some build-up for this match which includes mcmahon giving hornswoggle some tough love after mcmahon obviously was revealed apparently to be hornswoggle's father then jbl throwing hornswoggle into the cage and generally beating the crap out of him with finley 
looking on handcuffed. The man then demanding uh, an, an apology from JBL and JBL saying that he's sorry he didn't do it sooner and then exposes that actually Hornswoggle is not Vince McMahon's son, he's Finley's son and Finley came up with it all as a way to give Hornswoggle a better life. I'm going to say this, as silly as the whole Hornswoggle Vince McMahon stuff was, I do credit them with an absolutely spectacular explanation of how, uh, how and why that happened, given the fact that this was all supposed to be Mr. Kennedy in the first place and it all got fucked up. I credit them with coming up with something that actually made sense for why it was ever even in question that Hornswoggle could be Vince McMahon's son. So I, I give them a lot of credit for that. Um, the match itself goes for nine minutes and is won by JBL when he hits the clothesline from hell and gets the pin. Um, Finley did something really dumb uh, in the early going. He threw weapons directly towards his opponent. And you, you don't really see that in gangster films, do you? Like, or a war film. Like, there you go. There you go, mate. Here's my gun that I could just keep and use on you. Really stupid. They, they weren't really shots with chairs to the head, but the stuff with the baking trays and cans in a kind of relatively soon time after Benoit world, I didn't really like. I found that quite grating. Uh, that said, I did enjoy it when JBL knocked Hornswoggle over by tossing a bin at him. Probably he says a bit about me i don't like these matches but this didn't overstay its welcome and actually in a kind of weird sort of way this is much this was much better than it looks on paper in a, in a strange sort of fashion it, yeah it was okay this is going to be quite the outlandish statement but hey they call me the polar bear for a reason this is one of my favorite openers in wrestlemania history i loved this i remember loving it at the time and if anything it was just like i you know as soon as i watched it again it's exactly like i was watching it for the first time this was just two big tough kick-ass guys beating the shit out of each other for our entertainment for about 10 minutes loved it they're throwing the trash can at hornswoggle i don't care i laughed hysterically at <laughs> of course he did the only thing that would have made that better for matt is if he was a woman I, <laughs> bastard. I a little person woman yeah yeah I knew that was coming, you little shit. <laughs> it was more like the way in which he'd done it because he was completely out of nowhere. There's all of a sudden, <clears throat> there's a trash can on that little shit. It was hilarious. But yeah, just the, the two guys, they battered each other throughout this. You know, JBL's punches looked devastating. I mean, yeah, okay, some of the, you know, the trash cans shots to the head, okay, you know, in, in context, not so good now, but I'm not going to lie, I'm still okay with them. <laughs> what else is there? oh god they like finley did some really good stuff I, i'd so forgotten how good a worker the finley was i'd give anything to see a finley versus gunther match today my god would that be amazing and i did think that many times throughout this but when finley went to do the suicide dive through the ropes and jbl caught him with the trash can lid oh my god that was cool that was very cool the finish was great like i said clothesline from hell right guy won this was just that this is what an opener should be it was just great it was fun entertaining thoroughly enjoyed it i don't think you'd want to see gunther versus finley today because finley's 65 and it wouldn't be very nice okay well in, in the in the sort of peak i bet you know yeah okay i wouldn't go as far as max is <laughs> But I like this. I think this mm. is good. I think this is good. It's really entertaining. I remember watching it at the time and thinking, wow, that was a million times better than I could ever imagine it being. Still absolutely on the, the opinion that JBL is nothing but a lower mid-card tag team non-entity act because I missed most of the JBL stuff at the time, thankfully. So for me, it was just, I couldn't, I just, yeah, couldn't get over how, much, how good it was. This time, didn't like it quite as much, not because of the headshots, just because it wasn't quite as a surprise 
surprise to me as it was the first time. But still, you can argue with this. This is fun. This is entertaining. I think it's fine, especially when you've got the Money in the Bank match as the second on the show. You're not in danger of kind of overshadowing what's coming next or making it kind of difficult for whoever's coming next to still get over with the crowd. And so... Yeah, I, I fully back this. I also love the fact that there is actually a build to it. You know, there's a, WrestleMania 23, I was very kind of just disappointed in generally the build for everything. I just didn't feel like they'd done anything for three months building up to the show. And here I felt like, hey, you know, there is something. There's a reason for these two guys to fight. Obviously, um, I said it before, Mr. Kennedy was obviously supposed to be the original reveal as Vince McMahon's son. I believe that um, didn't come about because of his positive wellness policy test and him having to be suspended and, and as far as i'm concerned couldn't be happier because as, as i made clear in recipe <laughs> 23 mr kennedy is not for me <laughs> but how how great could it have been how the landscape of the business could be so different today if mr kennedy had won the world title well not really if he'd won the title world title. what you should be saying is if he'd been at all clever and not done steroids at a time when the heat was on the company really badly following what had happened with benoit and then lied about it on like television on news news shows and goodness knows what else yeah he didn't do himself any favors did he no he did not Stephen, what's your thoughts on Mr. Kennedy? I thought Mr. Kennedy was such a twat. To be honest. The, the thing where, when he was like, oh, I'm not on steroids, don't do steroids. And then he came out that he was in that signature pharmacy thing, I think. It was <laughs> Just like, yeah, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. So, yeah, rubbish. And also, you talked about his tattoo last week. It's a bit like a bro stamp on the back of his back of his uh, upper shoulder, isn't it? I remember Nick Lachey had one. Do, do you, either of you guys watch Love is Blind on Netflix? Great show. Not reality TV fans, I'm, I'm thinking either of you two, are you really? No. No. It's again, one, one of the rare convergences of mine and Matt's taste is, uh, <laughs> is not really reality TV show. I mean, my wife likes some of it and I, I kind of put up with it occasionally, but it's I don't I don't know enough. of it. I don't know anything about it. I just sort of see it occasionally. Go, oh, there's that woman who's on that thing. Love is Blind is exceptional because they all they basically they don't meet. They don't see each other before they meet, but they have to propose each other sight unseen and they get to live with each other. after. It's amazing. Uh, does your wife watch Love Island, Ben? It's been a particularly no, strong. No, so. she hates. That's the one thing oh. she hates. But when it comes to reality shows, she hates it. The Apprentice is as far as I go with reality TV. And to be honest, that's lost a lot of luster over the last couple of years. Oh, I couldn't that's... even watch that. It's so, it's so cringy. I can't. It, I can't it, it, it used to be really good. I think what we'll do is we'll leave it right there. Come back in just a moment and cover the rest of WrestleMania 24. Looking forward to it. Speaking of exciting, coming up next is the Money in the Bank ladder match where seven superstars will compete to earn a contract for a championship match. They can cash in at any time for up to one year. The winner of that match... It's gonna be the same guy that won it last year. Therefore, I will become the only superstar in WWE history to win two consecutive Mr. Money in the Bank titles, Mr. Kennedy! That match is coming up right now. Kennedy! Okay, welcome back. So, WrestleMania 24, we continue on. And uh, talking of uh, Mr. Kennedy, here he comes because he's about to interrupt Kim Kardashian, who's the guest hostess of WrestleMania 24. She talks about the Money in the Bank ladder match. And then Mr. Kennedy does arrive and pretty much just says his name, which is 
what he did, to be honest. I mean, what else did he do? Honestly, what else did he do? That was Come it. Come on. said his name twice. <laughs> Say with some enthusiasm. Come on, that's what the people want. No, Ken- Kennedy's done that enough for himself. He doesn't need <laughs> me to do it. And everybody's had enough of that. Fucking shit. Absolute shit. <laughs> Never has there been a wrestler pushed with less upside as often as Mr. Kennedy. Can we talk about someone far more important, far more talented, and a far better all-round human than Mr. Kennedy? And that is the person that when I saw this person, I nearly leapt out of my seat because I had absolutely no memory of this. I almost popped out of my skin. Kim Kardashian. Get perhaps, out of perhaps she she's she's studying for a law degree and she's helping innocent men on death row get out of being executed. She is a walking, talking angel. Unbelievable. 27 years old. How dare, how dare Mr. Kennedy even be in the same room as any Kardashian, let alone Kim. I don't even want him in the same room as Rob, let alone Kim, the wonderful Kim. 27 years old. Wow. The ultimate big, big nose brunette of all time. I can't even speak, Sanders. I'm getting so excited thinking about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> what a woman. Just incredible. And how they got, I was wondering how the hell did they get her? But actually, keeping up with the Kardashians only started in October 2007 so she was though she was famous for a, a certain tape that was leaked onto the internet she wasn't nearly as famous as she as she grew to be but wow what a woman and what a family I see you're keen Matt <clears throat> so I mean we, no. we talked about not being into reality TV mm not long ago just before the break um so i don't really know an awful lot about kim kardashian i know know that she obviously was married to kanye which at one point i might have said was quite cool but he's obviously completely off his rocker these days so who knows but matt i want this i really want to dig into this because this i think this is going to be such an insight into who you are <laughs> why are you so anti kim kardashian and and don't just say you've got to you've actually got to give a, a, a genuine justification for this i want i want oh she's rubbish that's just not the <laughs> Besides that being accurate, she's the poster person for the let's be famous because being famous is cool, despite having any fucking talent. She's done that. I'm sorry, Steve, but that Kardashian show can fuck right off. No, um, my, my, my sister, <laughs> my sister is a massive fan of it. And it is one of can the things. Can we go on the show instead of Matt, please? I, 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 I love my sister, <laughs> but it's one of the things I actively dislike about her. You cannot tell me that that's entertaining. It's just not. It's shit. Anything she does <laughs> is for publicity. The whole doing the law, the law degree to try and help you. Bullshit. It's an angle to get her more publicity. She doesn't need any more publicity now. She's so rich, doesn't need and, it. That's that's what it's. It's a constant. She is just a machine of constantly trying to get money, publicity, deals. Absolutely cannot stand her. Cannot stand the family. The lot of them can fuck right off. Well, you'll be pleased to know, Matt, that my MVP of the night is Kim Kardashian. So oh, there you go. Stick that in your gob. <laughs> you put it up Everyone, that bullshit. Matt very briefly walked away there. I mean, and I'm not, I, I say this completely straight faced. I'm not, it's not a, a kind of exaggeration. We discussed, as I said, I don't like reality TV shows. I would rather watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians than the equivalent amount of time of Kerrang. Oh, fuck right off. And, and I tell you what, one of the reasons why I wanted to say that is that the bands, not all of the bands, not even probably, well, probably about half the bands, half the bands that appear on Kerrang! are exactly what you've just described Kim Kardashian as being. They make 
basically copies of stuff that's come before. They don't do anything that is not art. It's just a product that they sell using what they consider to be and their foolish fans consider to be cool music videos where they're playing guitars, trying to look cool, but basically just doing what loads and loads of bands have done before them. So keeping up with the Kardashians might actually be something different. <laughs> uh, whereas I know on Kerrang! I'm going to get just the same thing again. Basically, adverts for other for other songs that's what basically those bands are i no longer trust a word you say everything that comes out of your mouth is absolute bollocks after that i i, I know i know the truth hurts and i know i don't want to i don't want to break your entire world down but but legitimately and i'm not i'm not playing that's the way i feel about 50 percent of the bands that appear on kerrang is they are making a product there's no art in it whatsoever there's no art in what getting keeping up with the kardashians either mind but what i will say what i will say for reality tv and perhaps the reason I don't like it is that I'm jealous because that's what wrestling should be. Wrestling should be able to convince people that it's real. Doesn't do it anymore. Doesn't even try to do it anymore. That's At least reality yeah. TV does do that. Made in Chelsea was such a good show. You probably didn't watch that either, oh. but 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 that was people oh. bought that for years and years. And years. Just to close off on the Kardashians, Ben, I think you'd find the uh, the three older sisters, Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. They're hilarious. They're genuinely hilarious. And also Kim said she wasn't talented. Matt, Kim's Saturday Night Live is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. She's so good on it. So yeah, I like I, I like them all. The only one I don't like too much is Kendall. Is a bit of a you know one of these girls. Like, oh, I'm a gamer girl, and look, look how you know look you know how cool I am. I think they're called pick me's. My wife says so. Yeah, that's the that's the phrase for those sort of ladies. But yeah, apart from that, love the Kardashians. Do you know I, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go there. Fuck it. Glenn Jacobs is not the only cunt. The Kardashians are too. <laughs> Blimey. Anyway, so that's what happens. I mean, ultimately, this is all going back to the fact that I hate Mr. Kennedy and think he's terrible. <laughs> Should never have been given a WWE contract. Should probably never have been given a TNA contract, let alone a WWE one. Next up is the Money in the Bank ladder match, which, of course, Kennedy had won the previous year. This one features CM Punk, Carlito, Chris Jericho, John Morrison, MVP, Sean Benjamin, and, yes, the previously mentioned Mr. Kennedy. It goes for 14 minutes, and it ends when uh, Carlito spits an apple in Jericho's face. Kennedy pushes Carlito off the ladder. Punk then hits Kennedy with a ladder. Jericho hits a code breaker on Punk with a ladder. I've gone way too far back. I don't know why. But then Punk and Jericho tussle on top of the ladder. Punk has Jericho in a tree of woe on the ladder and then grabs the briefcase. Matt, what did you make of this Money in the Bank ladder match? Oh, I feel like I need something positive after that now. Uh, th- this was actually one of my personal favourites of the of the early Money in the Bank ladder matches. I thought this was really good. Pretty much the majority of the guys got their chance to shine. Jericho busted out the old Wars of Jericho atop the ladder which god I do love that that's cool Matt Hardy made a, a cool uh, one-off appearance with the twist of fate onto MVP which at the time the two were feuding that was one of my favorite foods on Smackdown and of the year it was really good I do like the fact that CM Punk got his revenge on Kennedy by sort of hitting him with the ladder like javelin style like he did to him the year prior you know there was a good sort of Tower of Doom superplex powerbomb spot which was awesome Shelton Benjamin once again is the man however i must question his logic at the same time for taking that unbelievably 
stupid and probably painful put a spot on the ladder that broke. Every time I watch that one, I just cringe because it looks so painful. I mean, hopefully, again, it's not and it's all an illusion, but that can't be good for your health, surely. So stop breaking ladders for the love of God. But yeah, that's that's not going to happen. So the one thing I, I, I don't know why it just didn't work for me. It was one of those things that on paper that probably sounded good was John Morrison doing a, a moonsault while holding a ladder. That's one of those things that are on paper must sound really great. But when he done it, I was like, yeah. <laughs> that just, it just didn't really do anything. It just he's a move while he was holding the ladder. Yeah. In, in terms of the right guy winning, I mean, it was it was good. The punk won. Do you know what? It, given how his world title reign went, I'm not necessarily saying you you know sure you can say that that was the right guy. But yeah, like I said, like in terms of the match, I, I thought this was really good. Steve Stephen's got it about him now. He's like, I'm we, having it. Are we going into the era of blasphemy? We, we were we were once in the era of blaspheming Bret Hart. Now we're going into the era of blaspheming CM Punk are we Matthew just after Kim Kardashian you, you, you can't say in any way shape or form that his world title reign off the back of winning this match was a success uh what what no it wasn't this is the first one wasn't it yeah yes. yeah again no, nothing to do with what happened afterwards you know with his second reign and everything mm. and all that jazz but off the back of winning this match he shouldn't have gone anywhere fucking near it if that's what not, not for a lack of loads of talent of his I want to read my note out word for word even though we've I think we've discussed this to death but just for you, Matthew, from Kim Kardashian to CM Punk, what a fucking show this is shaping up to be. <laughs> Mr. Kennedy's music was obnoxiously terrible. No! Uh, yes, it was fucking no! dreadful. MVPs, on the other hand, was great. What's that, Matt? Sorry? It's the band Airborne. They're bloody brilliant. Oh, my God. Airborne? Yes! Oh, fucking hell. Mercy kill me. We've seen a number of ladder matches on this lovely quest, and, and some have lived up to our past memories, and so, some have not. And I would put this definitely in the former, even though I've written latter and I meant former. Uh, all action, lots of innovative spots. I love the Walls of Jericho you spoke about. A best of all the right winner. Albeit, I do wonder if it might have been one or two minutes long because I think that the peak would have been just after the Matt Hardy interference. So that's probably when they should have gone to the finish. But yeah, I like this a lot and this is my match of the night. I just did a quick look up of Airborne just as I know nothing about them. And I can't even remember Mr. Kennedy's theme, so I'm not commenting on that song. But I'm just looking through the names of their albums. So we've got, again, this was in the 70s. Fine, you know, probably no one had been there before. This is not in the 70s. This is 30 years later. Later. Ready to rock. <laughs> Run. Running wild. Oh yeah, what a song! No guts, no glory. Oh my god. Breaking out of hell. Yeah. And bone shaker. Oh. It's parody, isn't it? It's a parody band, surely. Must be. No. Must, be. Must be a parody band. They I mean, this is my this is this is my issue. Also. There's no art in this at all. It's just it is just a tribute act. That's all it is. Check them out. Check them out on YouTube. They're great. So I was actually going onto their Wikipedia page hoping to dig up some dirt on them, like they'd done something <laughs> awful that that I could throw back at Matt but it's not it's not to be unfortunately <laughs> this match I remember when I watched it thinking that was all right admittedly I did watch it sort of five six days ago now can't remember a damn thing about it I gotta be honest I listened to what you were saying Matt I remember a couple of the spots obviously the John Morrison moonsault which I think might have worked but he doesn't land in a moonsault position he's got kind of in a I don't know like he's kind of in a cannonball position almost it's a bit weird but yeah I just couldn't remember anything about it and I, I think this is it for me now with Money in the Bank at this point we finally got there where I'm like well not finally we've already got there where I'm like they just all they all just melt into one they just don't stand out at all the first one was the first one so that was kind of cool second one I 
think the reason it stands out for me was the Ric Flair involvement. Since then, already, like last the WrestleMania 23 one and this one, I'm just like, I can't, I can't, can't even think about what they are, you know, what, what's, what's, what's in them. And I can't differentiate them anymore. This also includes three people that I put together in a, in a similar package of a group of people that were all almost or kind of upper mid card, if you like, stars during the time when I wasn't paying attention. MVP, Carlito and Mr. Kennedy, they all, for me, obviously very different characters, but they all feel the same to me. They just feel the same. There's just this group of, oh, I don't even know who they are. They, they kind of had a chance, like, you know, they were being pushed at one point. Mr. Kennedy in particular could have been, not that he was worthy of it, but it could have been a big star just because they wanted to push him a lot. And so they just, none of them really interest me. I kind of don't differentiate who they are. When I was talking about who Flair fought in the, the build-up to his this show in the previous pay-per-views, I was like, could have been Carlito, could have been MVP, could have been Mr. Kennedy for all I remember. They're all the same to me. It wouldn't make any difference. I might even clash John Morrison in that a little bit, to be honest, except I quite liked his tag team with The Miz. So I got a little bit of something else with him, but just struggling now, five, six days later, to remember anything about this. Just another standard Money in the Bank match for me. And whilst they're happening, they're okay, they're fine, but there's just nothing about them. And I think this goes to for me to the core of one of my one of my core principles about wrestling is I really feel like if you're going to put people in danger which is what they're doing here if they're going to kind of make people do risky stuff you really need it to be memorable otherwise it's a dereliction of your duty of care to the people that you've got that you're booking and I just don't think it's right I think if you're gonna if you're gonna give people risks then it better be better be memorable and for me this just isn't anymore it's just a fun 15 minutes of chaos that the minute it ends you move on from and don't think about again Joe well that's actually a really good point really the danger because we saw that a lot we've seen that a lot in the last six to twelve months in ladder matches where the danger is not reflective of the entertainment value nor the story like I, I feel like um, I don't want to talk about Will Ospreay too much this podcast so I'll ejaculate but um, Omega <laughs> and Ospreay is a good example at Wrestle Kingdom they were both off for a bit after they didn't have to do any singles matches so they, they took the level of danger and violence up but they knew that that's you know that's a match that people are going to remember and I think they did that to an extent as well for Bindor recently but if you're doing a triple moonsault in a match of six people in a onto a ladder and someone else is doing something else someone else is doing it as you, you're right Ben some of these ladder matches are indistinguishable whereas some of the original ones we're going to remember those forever because they stand out. Whereas, obviously, you know, even though I picked this as match of the night, I do, I do think that's a really valid point about this genre of match. Especially when it's second on the bill or yeah. third on the bill, you know, and you've got three, four other matches. You know, I, I do strongly believe that in any pay-per-view, when you come out of it, the booking team should be ideally trying to get you to remember at most two or three things. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't, that's not, I'm not even talking about moves or spots. I'm talking about results. I'm talking about turns, potentially swerves, anything like that. If you're if you're asking your fan base to come out of a show and you want them to remember seven or eight really important things, it's too much. It won't work and none of them will mean as much as they should do. So from, you've got to be economical with this stuff. And the, the worst part about this, though, is they're not expecting people to remember their spots mm. they they know it's not going to be memorable they know they've got lots of other things that they want them to do and that it's going to be more important but they still book them in the match anyway and i think that's just it's just not right it's just not how wrestling should be especially on the heels of what had happened to them the previous two three years so then we get some stuff with john cena randy orton and triple h all looking contemplative as they prepare for their wwe title match later in the show which we've already spoke about obviously then it's the hall of fame ceremony highlights we've got in this class gordon solely uh, 
Eddie Graham, the Briscoes, May Young, Rocky Johnson, Peter Maivia, Ric Flair. And uh, on this occasion, I can report didn't bleed, though he did cry. Also, the Rock inducts Rocky Johnson, Peter Maivia, and he's looking as svelte as I think you'll ever see him. He just properly looks, you know, slim and uh, he looks great. I think he looks better. Well, I don't know if he looks great, Ben. I don't know if he looks great. I mean, I've had shit hair pretty much my whole life. My whole life, let's say. I went through the 1990s curtains. Either you bash out some curtains in the 90s, you were probably barely born, Matt. Did you have curtains, Ben? I didn't, know. I, I wasn't cool enough for that, I'm afraid. Oh, God. I certainly wasn't cool enough for it. The old Gary Barlow. Then I had a French, co- French crop. I, I think you might have had this haircut I'm about to describe, Matt. So do you remember the one where your hair was spiky all the way from the top to the back? So your back was not shaved. It was all spiky at the back. I had that. No, no, no. Okay. I had that for WrestleMania 21. Terrible look. Terrible look. And I've also been desperately trying to cling on to my ever decreasing and retreating hairline. So I'm not really qualified to say this, but The Rock's hair was fucking dire. I don't understand what he was doing. I just thought, Dwayne, shave that shit off and get back to 100% hunk ASAP. I didn't mind the size of his body, but the hair was just not working. Get rid of it, Dwayne. I can't say I remember it, but I I thought he looked great. I really did. Exactly the same as he looked in about 2001. We looked fine then. Yeah. But back, to be honest, back, back when he looked a lot healthier as well overall, I think. Like, I yeah, agree. I, think I just think he too, looked too big. He's way he's too, too big. big. Perhaps too I big. just prefer the roided out your eyeballs. <laughs> Sorry about the pop look. Yeah. Then Howard Finkel is introduced to announce the class of 2008 to the live crowd. The sky, meanwhile, has gone dark, which I love. Again, I actually think the dark sky just makes it look even better. It just looks absolutely incredible. Mike Mike Graham gives the old double wave, which uh, Tom and Old Man absolutely love. He does a little double wave of the hands. <laughs> and um, I thought I'd just make sure that someone said it, otherwise they'd be disappointed with me. May Young then tries to strip, but Mike Graham stops her. And then uh, Charlotte's first WWE appearance occurs as she is on the stage uh, in place of Ric Flair, who doesn't appear here. It's just his children, including Reed, who obviously has passed away since. Yeah. This was this was I, I've watched the I don't know if you have you watched any of the Dark Side of the Ring stuff this this series guys at all. I've seen one or two of them. I think I haven't. I don't know. I'm gonna watch the Bash at the Beach one because I can't deal with Bischoff and Russo just arguing for 45 minutes. But I actually think it's been a really solid series. But the Mike Graham one, I think I'd watched maybe two or three days before this, and it was really kind of dark seeing him and Reed Flair up there at the same time. It's just like yeah, horrible. The Mike Graham story is and the whole family is horrendous. Really, really horrendous. I haven't seen that one, so I will definitely give that a look. I can't remember that I gave, I watched two of them and I thought they were both pretty decent. The Chris Candido one I watched. Yeah, the Candido one was good. Then we get Todd Grisham backstage with the MC of the Divas Playboy match, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg says that he sees eye to eye with Festus and then Santina Morella turns up. I've, I've written here dog instead of Snoop Dogg. I'm trying to obviously kind of quick write this down. He grabs the ring bell and Festus goes off on one when he rings it, uh, chases Santina Morella off and then McFoley turns up, does some isling, and that's the end of our introduction to Snoop Dogg here. Matt's not happy with this at all. Because ha 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 ha, wasn't it funny? No, i got to be honest, I didn't like this very much. No, no, I didn't like it at all. It was very bad taste, I thought. This wasn't like this wasn't like the previous year's stuff, which was also in some cases bad taste, but just the previous year's funny bits. I just said something more about them. This, they just felt, this felt clunky, really, really clunky all the way through for me. So then Teddy Long and William Regal are introduced to the crowd ahead of the next match. That's the Batista and MAGA stuff. They're there to represent their brands. Who gives a fuck? We then move on to JR refers to an announcement on WWE.com that Big Show versus Mayweather 
um, is going to be no holds barred. So they'd obviously changed the stipulation of this match, no holds barred, on WWE.com for some reason. Maybe they just forgot to announce on Raw or SmackDown that week. I don't know. And then we get the tale of the tape between Mayweather and Big Show. Joey Styles and Taz talk about the tale of the tape, then talk about the battle royal on the pre-show for a right to face Chavo for the ECW title. Kane wins last, eliminating Mark Henry. Armando Estrado, sorry, Armando <laughs> Estrada uh, then introduces the uh, does the introductions for the ECW title match. He's the general manager of ECW. Don't remember this. <laughs> Flipping out. As if DCW needed a general manager as well. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, and it's Chavo Guerrero versus Kane, a match that go, must go for 10 seconds if that Kane arrives from behind Chavo and choke slams him and pins him to win the ECW title. And Joey Styles and Taz's work is done for the night. This is this is what they're sat there at ringside for four hours for, is to talk for the 10 seconds that this match goes on for. The poor bastards. Stephen, what did you think of all that? The thing I was most surprised about this was that ECW was still a thing by 2008, which I guess must have been a repressed memory. Just would rather not see Kane don't care yeah rubbish waste of my life but but luckily only 10 seconds of it so yeah that's true yeah oh man i mean i mean you know like, like you said speaking of who gives a fuck i mean <laughs> i mean wow the reason i'm laughing i mean come on armando estrada as the ecw general manager <laughs> chavo guerrero as the world champion versus Kane. Could you put a more who could possibly give a fuck in a ring than this? What a complete and utter waste. It's laughable. I mean, thank God it was only 10 seconds. I mean, and again, you know, I, I mentioned it, you know, last time um, in on one of the last pods about Sandman and the ECW guys getting, getting a, you know, a paycheck. Taz and Joey Styles, they were there for, they were there for that. But they fair play to them. They probably got paid shitloads of money just to talk for about ten seconds. You want to talk, you want to talk for ratio of work? They should be the MVP of the night. As Joey Styles, well done. <laughs> it's the name of the game, isn't it? Making the money for you know, not paid by the hour, as Tim Ross would say. <laughs> we get Raven Simone introduced to the crowd. I'm not sure who she is. Um, she's here to help WWE grant wishes through Make a Wish. She says that 50 kids from 50 states have been given tickets to the show and are sat in the circle of champions. And we get some footage of them in the crowd. Just a tiny bit of crappy background info, but she was from a very, 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 very bad um, kids TV Disney show called That's So Raven. Again, it's another one that my sister loved and I had to put up with um, as she watched growing up. It's awful. I hate her too. (laughs) Uh, we then get the hype video and stuff of Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels in their match. Just before that, Mike Adamley is backstage with Ric Flair. So here's Rick. This is the one bit of Ric Flair's retirement thing that isn't absolutely perfect because they've given the gig to Mike Adamley. What? I mean, this felt like a rib. This felt like a rib on Ric Flair. In fairness to him, he doesn't have to do much here and it's fine. But it did feel like a rib. I was like, are you sure you want to you want to trot Mike Adamley out for this? Are you absolutely certain? Just get Joey Styles to go back. He's got nothing else to do. Just fucking get him back there. It was the best Adamley's ever looked. <laughs> Yeah, you said about five words. That was why. (laughs) 
after the flare of Michael stuff, Todd Grisham is backstage with Edge. He says that he wants to t- take everyone back to WrestleMania six when Hogan lost and he lost his innocence. And that's what's going to happen here. He's going to bring us full circle because of all the people who believe in the Undertaker will have their spirits crushed when he retains the title. I thought this was for Edge pretty good. I'm not a big fan of Edge, as you both know. I thought this was pretty good. Yeah, great. I, I loved Edge talking about crushing kids' spirit. I'm sure you probably enjoyed that as well, Matt, didn't you? I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you feel bad about all those poor kids in the Make-A-Wish get, getting their dreams come true to go to WrestleMania? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay with them. Just Raven, no. So irritating. <laughs> uh, so Matt hates women and children, basically. And disadvantaged kids. Thank <laughs> yeah. oh. fuck he wasn't on the Titanic. <laughs> uh, I love the Titanic. Great film. Lovely film. Especially when the ship goes down. So, well, I think the best bit's when he's painting uh, Kate Winslet, but um, yeah. So next up, the freaking <laughs> idiots. <laughs> we... I'm so sorry, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> next up, we get the Lumberjacks come out for the next match. Now, I was very disappointed with this. Very, very, very disappointed with this because last year they called the Lumberjills and in WrestleMania 24, they reverted uh-huh. to Lumberjacks, which isn't on. They basically come out with Snoop, Snoop Dogg. The Lumberjacks or the Lumberjills are Gillian Hall, Mickey James, Victoria, Layla, Michelle McCall, Cherry, Maurice, Katie Lee Virtual, Eve Torres, and Kelly Kelly. And I've got to be honest, even though I know of who each of these people are, when I was looking at them, I was like, I can name about three of them. They just didn't look familiar to me at all. In fact, some of them looked exactly the same as each other. I just felt a little bit like, what the fuck is this? I don't know who these people are. This is for the tag team Playboy Bunny nonsense match. Beth Phoenix and Melina with Santina Morella against Ashley and Maria. Ashley Massaro's second WrestleMania match, I believe this is, neither of which she earned, as far as I'm concerned. It lasts for six minutes and ends when Phoenix hits a muscle buster on Melina and gets pinned. After the match, Snoop Dogg clotheslines Santina Marilla and then kisses Maria. I mean, I, th- I think if we're being really honest here, the most memorable thing of this is when the lights went out, mm. um, which was the funniest thing of the match. It was probably <laughs> one of the most entertaining parts. I mean, once again, as soon as the lights went out, I burst out laughing. I mean, fair play, I was thinking, okay, for the love of God, don't you know have like somebody up in a suplex or something because you'll drop them on their head. Thankfully, they managed to get the lights back quite quickly i can only imagine the pressure that some some person was a there's someone there who was going shit quick pay-per-view millions of people oh my god i need to get the lights working i would not you know definitely would not have wanted to been that person but hey they did it so well done but yeah other than that that this was like you said it was about six minutes no, nothing to it you know ashley was just not good in the ring most of them were not particularly good in the ring i mean beth phoenix was probably the best one in there but she just didn't really have anybody that great to work with this wasn't any good and to be honest i i i take whenever we do these shows i always make a point of i do not, i make sure i take as much notes as i possibly can this is probably one of the first times that we've been doing this doing this pod i thought you know what i'm not gonna need to take any notes for this realistically am i i'm just gonna sit and watch it and just not bother and i didn't need to and i was right because it was easy to recap so off to one of you guys i have to say i don't know why my voice went i seem to go through reverse pubises my my voice went squeaky then <clears throat> excuse me i have to say that the music played when the ladies came out onto the stage was sexy damn damn sexy that music and anyone out there looking to change the romance factor on a date from you know you're being nice you're holding their hand across a busy road you're making sure that they're the right temperature at all times if you want to up the heat 
if you want to get them to consensual pound town, then may yeah. I suggest playing Feeling Me by Che Guevara and Manuel Seal featuring Jazz. I don't believe that Jazz is our former women's champion. Um, and I would suggest you do this maybe at yours or theirs. It doesn't probably won't work as well at a restaurant or maybe even in the cinema. I oh, wait, 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 let's, wait, let's go, go on, go, go, go on. Consensual pound town. Yes, I think it's important to talk about promoting consent in 2023. So that's Definitely. why I put consensual pound town. You said it's not the real jazz. I'm assuming it's also not the real Che Guevara either. Just, it's, it's something else. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't miss that. I missed that completely. Yeah. But what I'm most concerned about is that the romance that you've had appears to be helping people across the road, which I'm pretty certain you're only supposed to do for older elderly ladies, Stephen. Well, OK, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I appear to be taking the kind of crown of son, a kind of creepy pervert, which I, I kind of want to get rid of, really. So I'm going to choose my following words carefully. I remember if there was like a kind of girl next door type who you just kind of, how should I put this? You just kind of wanted to look after, shall we say, not perhaps another another type of girl, just somebody want to look after. We used to talk about how that was the sort of girl that you'd want to give you a jacket, <laughs> hold a hand across a busy road. So that's the that's the kind of vibe I'm going for. That kind of pretty girl next door, etc. And I've I've said enough, I think. Okay, well, I think I think given that we've got the what, what was the uh, what was the what was the saying, Matt? What did he call? sex consensual Cons- pound I, town. That, that, that's all i'm going to remember is consensual pound town <laughs> okay i think i think given that um and also the fact that i love the fact that when the night sky comes this looks amazing and also the technical difficulties they have during this match that the song at the end of the show today has to be when the lights go out by five because that's the only one that, that fits <laughs> all of those scenarios yes. Do you want anything else on this match or should we move on? <laughs> I'm happy to move on, Stephen. You haven't had anything to say on. about it, but there isn't much to say about it, is there? <laughs> so after that tag team match, we get all the stuff for the hype for Triple H, Orton and John Cena, and then their entrances. So next up is Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather. No holds barred match that goes 11 and a half minutes. It ends when Mayweather hits Big Show with a chair a bunch of times, then grabs a pair of brass knuckles and knocks Big Show down and out for the count of 10. Stephen. Big old cut before it went to the match and chose uh, was seeming. I think a video package was removed here. And this was four months after the most heartbroken I've ever been after a boxing fight, even more so than when poor Frank Bruno got done by Tyson twice. Yeah, the sad, sad 5 a.m. finish for Hatton and Mayweather. Was that fight in either of your wheelhouses back in 2007 at all? Couldn't give a fuck. Wouldn't give a fuck now either. Really? Not a boxing fan at all? You don't like MMA? No, no interest in it at all. I, I right. have more interest in MMA than I do okay. boxing and I have zero interest in MMA. Uh, what about you, Matt? No, 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 massive. Do you know Floyd Mayweather has never really done it for me? I think then this is though we're not massively different in different in age. I think this. What are we different? Four years, three years, three or four years? I think only. I think only two. I'm 41 now. I'm th- I'm 39. Okay. You probably remember this as well. Boxing was massive on ITV in like the thinking like 89, 90, 91, and like everyone. I remember. Else, like, I remember, remember the Bruno Tyson yeah. stuff. I remember it. Yeah, it's yeah. Never interesting. It's never, never interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is the sort of thing. It was almost like you kind of had to watch it because everyone else is talking about it and like i remember remember turning up and playing football on a sunday morning and like everyone had watched eubank versus ben the night before or something and it was like you kind of had had no choice and my mum my mum and dad both really liked it actually as well so yeah it was always a big 
thing in the coriander household moving on logan paul bad bunny this wasn't i thought lots of smoke and mirrors not much resembling wrestling from mayweather um, but he had to protect many far bigger paydays to come and i thought the crowd got in it into it a point i didn't hate it but this was just there and, and as i said i think we've seen so much better stuff from celebrities in the years you know many years after this but yeah just okay i think you might be right there i think this one suffers for what's come since because i yeah. remember at the time i thought this was a really excellent fun match i just thought it was really well done as well as it could be done really between a boxer and a wrestler the main reason i've kind of inserted myself in here is because we've got some more 35 years of wrestlemania here um and apparently i didn't know this until i read this and you can tell me if this was a load of bullshit as well but this was supposed to originally be batista and Rey mysterio against floyd mayweather and the big show yeah, uh, big right. show himself confirming this during this uh, on this book and apparently Rey mysterio was injured and maybe this is another reason why batista was so pissed off about having having to do the omega match because he was like i've come from being in a match with floyd mayweather possibly the biggest sports star in the world at the time to being in the battle for brand supremacy mm. matt what did you think of it yeah no, I, I think you're absolutely right and you know both of you there and that time unfortunately has not been uh, great to this one we, we've been spoiled you know with the amount of uh you know sort of quality celebrity matches you know the, the likes of bad bunny the likes of logan paul over the years that have really improved so time it hasn't been great to this one yeah watching this back it's not quite as good i, I definitely remember at the time thinking this you know, again, absolutely, like you said, Ben, this was as good as it could have been and was quite enjoyable this time round. It, it was fine. Um, it certainly wasn't bad by any stretch. I mean, I, I do remember thinking by the end, I was like, is that it? Yeah, I got a different feeling of it, you know, back then. And it's mad that, you know, the the angle that this came out of, you know, at the time, though. I mean, I, I can't remember if either of you guys remember you know, the, the angle with, like, you know, Floyd legitimately broke Big Show's nose at the pay-per-view prior to this. I think that that's how they were meant to, because it was something with Rey Mysterio there. I think Big Show made his return. Rey Mysterio was out in the ring for some reason. Um, Floyd happened to be in the front row, popped the guardrail, and then, yeah, he legit broke Big Show's nose. Didn't mean, wasn't meant to. But yeah, that's where this whole angle sort of started. And originally, it was funny because Show was meant to be the heel and Floyd was meant to be the babyface. But they found Floyd to be so freaking unbelievably unlikable that they had to swap it. But yeah, you know, this was, uh, this was uh, like I said, it was as good as it could have been considering the, the level of who, who they had there. So, uh, and it was something, something different, something different for the show. Yeah, I mean, I remember them trying to make me whether the babyface at the start. And obviously not being into boxing this is only kind of just residual knowledge but i was very well aware of mayweather's reputation as, as an asshole that everyone hated so it, did, it was never going to work regardless of how you presented him you can you could try and soften his character people wouldn't have uh, cheered for him because he was a disliked individual just in general mm-hmm. at the time so then we get another another promo video for wrestlemania 24 you know we've been through three hours of this fucking show and we're still getting pr- still getting advertised to us I'm like, i don't need it to have the advertised i'm all right i mean i'm on the main event now thank you very much uh this one was with uh, batista spearing a guy who asks a woman to marry her on a beach i mean <laughs> justin roberts then introduces kim kardashian for the live crowd and she says that 74,635 is a new citrus bowl attendance record and then we get the hype video for Edge versus The Undertaker. The only thing that I pulled out from this video is that Edge says he'll be the man to end Taker's streak. 
saying he's also undefeated at WrestleMania. I'm guessing he's not including his Money in the Bank match the previous year, which he didn't win. But there we go. Edge versus The Undertaker is the main event. It's a nearly 24-minute match. After Edge hits a spear, Taker immediately applies the Hell's Gates mission and Edge taps. Undertaker is the new champion and is 16-0 at WrestleMania. There's a big old firework display as Taker celebrates in the ring. I say celebrates, gets down on one knee and holds his hand into the air. Stephen, your thoughts on this? Um, I may be scolded by my beloved podcast brethren for this, but I fast forwarded through Undertaker's entrance because I was limited in time and you've seen one, you've seen them all. I'd also forgotten that this was the stage of Edge's career where he chewed the face off of Vicky Guerrero uh, on a weekly basis, which is interesting slash erotic the undertaker was backdrop right into the front row next to a lady with an expensive louis vuitton handbag yes i know my handbags uh, and i can't understand why she wasn't trying to protect this thing with her dear life from taker's sweat and fake tan moving on to the match yeah i have got some notes about the match itself uh, it eventually turned into something good uh, absolutely and the crowd did get into it but it took a long while and i wondered why that was and i think the problem with it was the problem I had with this back in 2008. And I had, well, I knew what the result was, but Edge was never going to win this. Never in a million years was Edge going to win this. And I just think you need to have, I know back in the day with Hogan, perhaps you, perhaps most people, I don't think kids really necessarily knew that he was going to beat Andre the Giant, but you know, we would have known if we'd been watching wrestling then, I think, but no one bought this at all that, that, that Edge was going to win. And I'm just, I've just never been a big fan of either. And I, and I think that played into my apathy as well. As I said, I thought Flair and Michaels was the biggest thing on this show and should have been uh, the main event. Uh, one final point, um, while the Hell's Gate go-go plata that The Undertaker used uh, in the finish is a legit submission in MMA. It's so much shitter than it's, second cousin twice removed the triangle choke and it was grating seeing the main event end in this way but less grating uh, than it was for those in attendance who were shot in the face by fireworks during the undertaker celebrations uh, which i think was probably rather unpleasant for them oh, just on the uh, the thing about undertaker was obviously going to win people knew it etc i think that people did in the main always know that hogan was going to win but i think the difference is that people also in the main, always wanted him to win. Ah, that's a really good point. And I don't think they cared whether The Undertaker won that much. I don't think he's as popular as his status suggests he is. And I don't think that in this age, many wrestlers had legit popularity where people were like, I must see him win. Mm. Cena being an exception, but also an exception in two ways because people wanted to see him lose as well. Yeah. And so that's why he sold so well because people genuinely wanted to see him either win or lose. Whereas I don't think people cared that much Mm. if the Undertaker had won. And that would have made it fine because knowing that someone's going to win is fine as long as everybody wants it. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point. I think it took a little bit of time. I mean, I think a couple of years later, I think you can say that people really wanted Undertaker to win. Yeah, this, this was one of those matches where it, it did feel like there was for a while there, there was something missing. Like you know, like I said earlier, the, the crowd just didn't seem to care, and it, it took them an awful long time. To, I do think they got them there slightly by the end. I say slightly because I still think they could have been a little bit, you know, a bit more louder than perhaps they were, but they did pretty much get them by the end i thought i thought the match was great i gotta be honest it was really it was really good it was one of those where really sort of long traditional 
good world title match. Edge was just countering everything Undertaker did. They did a great job of making him seem like a good threat throughout the entirety of it, which, you know, considering what you said, Stephen, about, uh, you know, people not believing, I think they did as good a job as they could with it. Because again, like I said, Edge counted everything Taker did. You know, in the commentary, they're like, oh my God, he's he's got Taker's number. I think there was some stat going around at the time that Edge had never been beaten by him. I think that was mostly in tags or something like that, but they were using that stat, so that was great. Yeah, this was really, really, I think this was really good. One of the best things, and still unbelievably memorable for me, is the sight of Charles Robinson sprinting to the ring for that. I mean, my God, you, you want to talk about you need to get your ass to the ring and make that count. He did everything he could to make sure he got there on time. That was pretty cool. A submission finish, yeah, is a gift. But for me, is a as a big MMA fan, I'm not a fan of that. It, it, it in a wrestling setting, it, it doesn't it doesn't look particularly great. Yeah, the triangle choke, I think, is something that he has used instead, and potentially would have been better. And I think people might have understood that a little bit more. This one is nowhere near as good, and I don't think it ever got over to the extent of C of John Cena using the STF. I think this was their way of trying to do that, like they did with you know Triple H tapping out a few years ago, and it never really got to that. But yeah, other than that, like I said, I. I felt this was actually a really good match. It was, it was a good way to end the show, to you know, take a winning. I think a lot of people were pretty much happy with that. Probably one of Edge's, one of his best matches at WrestleMania, I think. R- really good piece of work, and, and yeah, I felt this was really good. Do you think with the Gogo Plata match, quickly, that I think at the time you had wrestling submissions that I think as wrestling fans you could buy but then in 2008 MA was massive I, I, I can't remember when would that have been like George St. Pierre middleweight champion all that sort of stuff so it was, it was big time ultimate fight and all that sort of stuff and I think I saw that Gogo Plata and thought that's not a triangle what is that even though I later found out on YouTube it was a legit submission I think that was the problem with it it was neither here nor there yeah, it's not. It's a really rare one. It's, yeah, it is. In, yeah. in MMA circles as well, it's a very rare submission. It's basically like a, a shoulder and arm lock. It's it's a way to to control an opponent on the ground, which is not yeah. often used. So it was a really poor choice of one, you know, for him to use. He could he could have got like an arm bar over or so, or something yeah. like that instead. But yeah, whatever. That that's what they obviously went with. So I think this is probably one of the best edge matches I've ever seen. That's not to say I loved it, if I'm honest. And actually, I've got a. a, a quite a, a dark line in my notes where I've underlined the first 13 minutes as being a complete write-off because I found it really boring. <laughs> but having said that, the 10 minutes that follow, I think are really, really good. I think they're really, really good, I think. And it, I can remember the exact moment. It's basically Undertaker hits the snake eyes, runs the ropes, and Edge spears Undertaker in counter to the big boot, which Undertaker would normally do. And that was the moment I was like, okay, suddenly I'm awake. And the rest of the match I thought was really good. The, you're absolutely right, Matt, the countering of everything the Undertaker tried to do after that point i found quite fascinating but the first 13 minutes i found a real slog this is my match of the night and i do think it's a really good match even though what i've just said sort of suggests that i think it's bad because the first 30 minutes i really didn't enjoy but they got me there and in the end i thought it was a a really decent match but i i do think this is the central i think it's still a problem and i think it's why i've been so impressed with the bloodline stuff is that nearly every major bloodline match people genuinely give a shit who wins even if they don't, Stephen, to, to what happened with you at WrestleMania, even if they don't get the result they want, yeah, they do at least care. 
and they are actually invested in it. In wrestling, in the main now and since this point and since before this point, in fairness, has struggled to make people care about the result of the match. Too many people are going in with the oh this will be a great match or that was a, that was a great match or get the tables all that nonsense. Every single time you know people are chanting for tables, you're like come on, you clearly don't even give a fuck who's gonna who's gonna win this match because you wouldn't be chanting for tables if you did. It really struggles to get people into the results and this was for me a situation where they didn't really it not like they didn't care at all they, they probably would have preferred the undertaker to win but it wasn't like an emotional response it was just okay well the undertaker's you know this veteran baby face that probably on his last few years of wrestling so i'll cheer for him kind of thing it was a conscious choice rather than an emotional one basically and i think that's it's not ideal ultimately whereas this is why i think going in maybe Shawn michaels versus rick flair wasn't the biggest match but i think you're right Stephen. maybe that should have gone on last because it had that emotional weight it had that emotional yeah. attachment and maybe going on last you could even allow yourself to believe that flair wouldn't lose because he would therefore not retire i don't know but even if you couldn't believe it you could still hope for it you know and, yeah. and you still would have been invested in it so yeah that, i think that's where this struggled for me most of always just didn't matter really from a from an emotional sense who won or lost I think everything... So I, I felt this on the night. I remember this really vividly. I felt that everything after the Flair match was a bit flat. And the, the fans... Apt, I, I was I was very much with you, Ben. I was like, this, is, this isn't very good. This isn't very good. And then all of a sudden, it was like, yeah, I'm going to have to change some of my notes because it's actually quite good. But I think everything that... If you, if you just put the Flair match and tack it on the end, I think all the stuff that comes before it has a better chance of being good. AEW pay-per-view is a lot like this, where you have something early that's spectacular and people are into it, and then you kind of throw things are done. I don't think it was as bad bad as that but i think it and I, and I think that's again a really good point around if flair was on last do do people start to well actually is he going to win this in some way and they'll extend it to SummerSlam or something and i think you get that whereas him being early in the card i think it was you know you knew what was going on there you knew he was going to lose so yeah right that is everything on wrestlemania 24 so let's give our overall thoughts our scores out of 10 matt i will start with you okay um so like i said i've already done match of the night and nbp of the night i felt this was a really 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 great show i I felt that way then i feel that way now and for me this gets a very high score for me it it sits right behind the best wrestlemania up until this point i think wrestlemania 17 for me this is an 8 out of 10 show fantastic steven um i really disagree matt i think i think 17 19 21 22 all better than this I, I i haven't quite got to the your ratings of 23 so i don't know where you got that but i actually thought that was a pretty good show until really disappointed that seen it one i i thought nothing was objectively bad but i don't think anything was outstanding and i i still think the flair and michaels thing i remember at the time thinking this would have been better if michaels didn't get injured although the emotion stuff was in it but i don't yeah i just think it's flat I've, I've said my match tonight is money in the bank mvp is um is miss kardashian my score is five out of ten for wrestlemania 24 wow interestingly low that one good stuff is it mixed bag my I'm, I'm a seven out of ten on this one wow. i thought this was genuinely generally i should say a very a very good show i thought it had a lot of quality in it but i do think there are some severe lulls so after the money in the bank match you get about seven eight minutes of nothing like no matches at all and then you get batista maga and you're kind of like well right what's this 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 show's gone off a cliff pretty pretty quickly with, with that stuff and then of course there's the ecw heavyweight title match after that so it's 
you know, you really are in a place where like, okay, you know, this needs to kick up into gear. The Shawn Michaels Rick Flair match is great. The, the triple threat match for the title is decent. I thought the Floyd Mayweather Big Show match, I still think is as good as it could have been. And I think that the World Heavyweight title match is a really good match too. So in the end, it gets a, a significant thumbs up. And I do think that the, the openers are very entertaining little match. And the Money in the Bank is Money in the Bank. As much as I criticised it in terms of them doing it from an entertainment perspective, it's it's good. It's, it's certainly not boring. So I like this show. Uh, in general and I, I almost was thinking about an eight actually at one point and wow. I, I i brought it down before we came on air I, I decided to quickly make a decision seven or eight i think this is as close as me wanting there to be half marks as we've had so far because it, that was where i felt like it should be but i do think that a big part of it for me is just the way it made me feel when i was watching it i just think this is this is wrestlemania this is what i think of when i think of wrestlemania this stadium this lovely no no ceiling at all just massively open they've done it up lovely it's you know the night sky the fireworks at the end of the undertaker it just was like oh just imagine being there that that feels like a place i'd like to be and maybe Stephen, to your point you felt the same and could have been there but just ultimately missed out i think i've got a emotional disconnect to this show because of what i said at the start i i absolutely have and i think you know all the ones i li- you know listened to the shows that i wasn't on that i was at and i even the bad shows i've got a big connection to but this was like a like a breaking of something for this one which is a little bit odd and i remember really vividly going back going to i said goodbye to Lou and I went up to bed and I was like I, I really actually didn't really I felt like I didn't miss out on much here really even apart, apart from the flare stuff clearly but it wasn't I, it was it wasn't so bad that it didn't I was um, as soon as I was able to I immediately put it up for the following year so it can't have been that bad you know I was still chasing it so yeah yeah. I wonder whether you were just, it was kind of a defence mechanism. Like, oh, we didn't miss anything. It was all good. It's fine kind of thing. I think so. I was really gutted about the Flair stuff, but it was like, I just felt everything from the Flair thing to the end was just flat. And even though I know it wasn't objectively flat, I just felt like it was for me personally. So, yeah, I think if I'd been there, this is probably getting a six or seven, if I'm completely honest, because I think the Flair stuff would still hold a massive place for me, but it doesn't now. Well, WrestleMania 24 gets an average 6.67 from us. That means it is fourth in the table so far behind 17 19 21 just above 10 22 and 23 in terms of overall quality but there's only three of us and we the three of us change each week so it, it could have been a completely different score had it been tom or old man or whoever else on the show this week so that is everything for wrestlemania 24 I, as i said i was really looking forward to talking about this mainly because i just felt like there was lots to talk about like a, a lot of kind of quite meaty things and topics that that felt quite i don't know there was lots to analyze i just felt there was a lot to draw out of this and really kind of kind of get under the skin of quite early in fact on this one all that's left for me to say is matt thank you for joining me today thank you very much and uh well th- thank you everybody for listening and just you know maybe next time you listen to us you know maybe you can go to consensual pound town as well <laughs> indeed and Stephen, thank you for your contributions today yeah i wouldn't recommend going to consensual pound town while you listen to yourself on a podcast but you never know that could be the niche thing that takes you you know <laughs> when you've been married with your, with your partner for 10 years and you're struggling to be aroused by anything maybe listen to your own voice is the way to go i won't play that in the car while i'm picking them up from the station over and out (laughs) this has been the random wrestling review thank god it's over we'll be back again in a couple of weeks time and we'll be covering wrestlemania 25 until then take care